Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey there, I'm out in my field again, clearing stones. Just to tell you, welcome to another episode of Rahalastama. This one's got the amazing Jimmy Cricket. What a guy. You're going to love this one as well. Um, it's uh, We're on tour. This one's done at the Lowry in Salford. There's loads more gigs coming up, including another one in Manchester that's just been added in uh, November, I think. Go to richhang.com slash gigs. You can find out all about all the shows coming up. We've got one uh, in Leicester. We've got one in Bristol that is sold out. We've got one in Richmond with uh, very exciting guests and we have got Winchester and Newcastle all coming up lots of these are selling incredibly well Exeter's nearly sold out go to the website buy your tickets now Glasgow is worth booking ahead for uh, as well but please book uh, if there is one near you and come and see this live it's much more fun and occasionally one gets cut out and you won't see it unless you come and see it live so go to richhang.com slash gigs richhang.com slash rahalastapa slash tour rahalastapa.co.uk where you can also become a monthly badger and get all kinds of benefits behind the scenes videos you can see that uncensored prince andrew conversation you can see a man trying to light a fart out of my bottom all sorts of things that are only available to monthly badgers uh, but please keep watching these for free and thank you very much for your support see you later bye Oh, I just remembered, uh, we have got a new Kickstarter coming. Go to rahalaspa.co.uk slash Kickstarter and you can find out all about the amazing Trump card game. Not that Donald Trump, like Trump's, you know, the old Trump's games. We've got cards coming out. We've got all sorts of stuff. T-shirts, incredible badges, lots of fun. Uh, So go and check that out. And we're hopefully going to pay for filming all of the tour if we can get enough money. So please support us if you can. Uh, If not, just enjoy these podcasts for free. Thanks very much for watching. Bye. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. Nothing's going bad. It's welcome to the Lowry Theatre. There is no fire. Don't worry. Please welcome a man. He'll be on on fire by the end of this show. Don't worry. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. We're 
here in Salford. And I believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming along. Welcome to Richard Herring's Lullabies Sung Tumultuously podcast. It's a new direction I'm taking with the podcast. We're just going to sing lullabies, get a guest on. We're going to sing very loudly different lullabies. See, you've got a kind of new... There's so many podcasts now, you've got to find the new... So, little baby, little baby, it's time to go to sleep now. Could catch on. But I was hanging out in fat jackets at... Uh, at the Lowry outlet. You've all eaten there. <laughs> and what better tribute is there to L.S. Lowry <laughs> than having a load of discount shops with a terrible car park named after it? <laughs> and a lot of the people in there look like they could have been one of his paintings as well. And they, they call it Rahalastapa. So now that's going to catch on. I, I, I just got in. I've been doing this a little bit. I looked up to the Lowry outlet on TripAdvisor. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think anyone would seriously review the Lowry outlet, but how wrong was I? The worst place to visit on earth. I mean, that is... That's unfair, isn't it? Um, There is nothing there. Leaving was probably the best part. Uh, people are furious about the parking and the lack of machines. I hope no one's parked there tonight. You've got a 40-minute wait to get out. It's been going on since 2016, so I don't suppose it's got any better now. Uh, but uh, usually when I come to a, a town, I, I look up the, the local papers just for a laugh, find a funny headline. It's impossible to do that with, uh, with Salford. Uh, there's something whimsical. The, the funniest headline in the, the, that comes up in the Salford papers this week is Bomb Squad. Uh, <laughs> Sent in after military grade, uh, military grade hand grenade found by police investigating reports of gunshots. That's Salford. That's uh, that was the most whimsical item I could find. <laughs> Just reports of gunshots in that case. So that's not that's not so bad. Uh, of course, uh, I'm staying at the Furchester Hotel tonight, which is no, it's just. Just round the corner. I've been there before. It's very difficult to book. It, that one doesn't come up on TripAdvisor. There's some amazing puppets there. <laughs> uh, and if you're wondering, 100 Greengate is the tallest building in Salford. If you're, if you're wondering about that. <laughs> you're wondering. Uh, so look, we're going to crack straight on. We've got a fantastic first guest for you. He is probably best known for his appearance on Emu's all-live Pink Windmill show. <laughs> and I understand the live ones were the amazing ones. If there's anything like the Leeds gig I did a couple of weeks ago, the first guest is going to be really fucked up to such an extent that we're not going to be able to put out the podcast. I'm hoping that will... I'm hoping that's going to happen again. Let's see. I didn't really speak to him backstage. He couldn't be off his nut. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome it's Jimmy Cricket! <laughs> You've sat on your microphone, Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> now you don't get paid anything. That's, the, that's what you get. I'm money. getting all the best ad-libs if I do that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing great. Richard, and, and I'm glad you've had me on the show because I want to explode a myth about my Wellingtons, actually. Okay. People do think uh, L is for left yep. and R is for right. They're really Brexit Wellingtons. Okay. <laughs> You could finish the rest yourself. They're, they're very clever audience. They're very clever audience. Um, do you remember being on uh, Rod Hull's Emu's Pink Windmill live live Pink Windmill show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rod was a tremendous performer. I mean, just to, what he used to do with that. Yeah. But <laughs> I had the same agent. You see. Okay. Basically, though, you're only allowed to have your arm so eight minutes or something. So all, all the spots he would do live with other people jumping had to, because then he had to rest and things. <laughs> but he was a terrific performer. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> he... After all those years, he'd be able to do longer than eight minutes. <laughs> I think it was the muscle memories would build up. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he actually invented a, 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 the Royal Children's Variety Show. Did he? Yeah, yeah, because the... the main one, the grown-up one, obviously is going to this day, but for a while in the 80s, uh, they used to have the children's 
acts that would, you know. And that was very exciting because I'd never met royalty before. Uh, well, I'd only seen royalty on a postage stamp. <laughs> so when I first saw the Queen, I licked the side of her face. Just a little thrown out of I'm imagining there might be some jokes in there. It's going to be unusual for this podcast. <laughs> there may be some jokes. I did that backing up when the beeping was going. Didn't I? That was good. That was a joke. <laughs> you get one a year from me. Make the most of this while you can. So, I mean, there's so much to talk to you about. Let's, well, let's, uh, we'll start at the, we'll start at the, how did, how, why, why Jimmy Cricket? Why, why did you choose that? That's not your real name, is it, Jimmy? No, my real name's Billy Cricket. <laughs> no, no, no. no, well, I, I, my real name's Jimmy Mulgrew. Yeah. And when we did the clubs, when they were all round here in the, in the 70s, it, the thing was to get a name that people would remember, you know. Uh, I saw that comedian last night. What was his name? Oh, so I thought... I, I, I plagiarised it, really, yeah. from the Walt Disney, everybody. <laughs> Close the door, come here. <laughs> and uh, the minute I did it, I had a Disney spell. And <laughs> now they can groan, you can groan, everybody, for that. And, uh, but I left, I didn't... Uh, Call myself Jiminy, it was Jimmy. Yeah. But obviously people mistake it for it. Yeah. But it says on Wikipedia not to be confused with Jiminy Cricket, which uh, has anyone actually ever confused with Jimmy coming out? Well, that's not a cartoon character. I want to, where's that? I actually played Jiminy Cricket once. Did you? Yeah, with the Crankies up in Glasgow. (laughs) Yeah. With Jimmy Cranky. She played Jeanette, real name, and she played um, Pinocchio. Yeah. And she had a little tube that would make her nose grow. Longer. Okay. And Ian, Ian, her husband, he Ian played... Uh, just... bro- uncle or brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I played Jiminy Cricket okay. with a green uh, tailcoat. So there you might be confused with Jiminy Cricket. So Wikipedia isn't as stupid as you thought. It's important that that happens. Uh, and, but the, the, the costume didn't come immediately. Is that right that, that you, were, you were doing it? No, I had... Uh, the wellies came uh, earlier and then the, the trousers... Uh, half masked, but uh, I wore a white jacket. Yeah. I, you always wanted to be original, run the clubs, and, and Bobby, Bobby was doing the, the braces, and he had the long coat, so I, you didn't want to be, because he was doing character comedy as well. Yeah. So it really, when I first did a talent competition on television, Search for Star, I wore the white jacket, so sometimes when you look at archive stuff, there's a white jacket. But when I did a program called The Good Old Days, which came from the City Varieties Leeds, and it, yeah. was a, it was a nod to the Edwardian um, time, mm-hmm. and I did a spot on that, and they wanted you to wear a tailcoat. And uh, so I wore it, and then I had a, a, an agent, a lovely manager, Phyllis Rance, who managed Rod, mm-hmm. and she rang, and she said, oh, that's we want, let's buy that, you've got a bit of a, a, a costume now. And so, and we did, and the BBC said, no, we, we hire it from a place called Nathan's and Berman's. You'll have to go to them. And we went with 60 quid for the first one. Right. Yeah. We've had a couple since then. <laughs> I noticed the fire there. Yeah. But the only reason I mention it is because a few weeks ago, I, I had an accident poking the fire. <laughs> I forgot it was electric. <laughs> and, uh, and I rang up the fire brigade and I said, my house is in fire. And he said, how do I get there? I said, well, you've got a fire engine, haven't you? He said, no, which house is it? I said, you can't miss it. It's the one on fire. <laughs> I said, I'll keep it going till you get here. <laughs> it just reminds me, all came back to me. You know, it's quite emotional, so. Good. <laughs> I, 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 had somewhere, I had somewhere to go, but it's, 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 it's gone. <laughs> it's fine. It's but all right. it's just lovely to be with you and everything. What a pulp full house. I know, it's amazing. Magical atmosphere here at the Lowry. <laughs> All Can we sc- book you for the next show? <laughs> They're coming back next week as well. They're going to see next week's show as well. They love, they love it so much. Um, it's important to have that strong image, though, isn't it? But it's, yeah, it's... it's um, well, you started off uh, in the... Well, you've done a few jobs. You started off in the, in the summer camps. Is that the... Uh, Butlands. The Butlands, yeah. Yeah, Butlands actually had the camps over here, Skegness and Minehead. But a lot of people don't know, they actually had one in Ireland. Uh, it was 26 miles outside Dublin, a place called Mosney, and the train actually, when you got on from Belfast, stopped outside the Pudding Range. 
So you could, it was literally, you could, the camp was at the station. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing then, of course, was Richard. I was in Belfast, so, like, I had a very broad Belfast accent. And anybody, obviously, you know, from Ireland will know, when you go across the border, Dublin's quite a lilt. We, we sound a wee bit Scottish, actually, but they have a lilt. So I was really broad, so it was very hard, even for the other Irish people, to, to get right. southern. So uh, the, the, when I used to go really well was July, two weeks in July, when all the Northern Ireland people were on holiday. Okay. <laughs> and my Richter scale went up on the laughter on that one. <laughs> but, of course, you do, you do younger jokes like, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend said to me, you remind me of the sea. I said, you mean I'm rough and rugged? She said, no, you make me sick. <laughs> Things like that. And, and then, and there's more. <laughs> and she took me home to meet her dad. He said, are you going to marry my daughter or else? I said, well, bring in else. Let me have a look at her. <laughs> That's the stuff you do, you know. It's proper jokes. It's <laughs> proper jokes. Don't get so bad. It's interesting. There's, you know, there's a few people doing... I mean, you remind me very much of Tim Vine. It's a very similar well, sort Well, Tim of... does one-liners. Yeah. yeah, he's fabulous. He's keeping the old one-liner. Yeah, he's a great comic. Yeah, yeah. Milton Jones. Bit more Milton. surreal, but Milton's Milton, great. Milton, oh, yeah, fabulous. Uh, one of Tim I love is... Uh, He's a dark horse, black beauty. <laughs> That's a rip-off, Velcro. I don't think you... But Milton's got a great one where he walks up and down the stage and goes, AA, RAC, green flag, don't get me started. You know? <laughs> we could do an act of the boys. We <laughs> but we're, we're giving them the credit. We are giving them the credit, as long as you <laughs> credit not, them. We're not pinching their... Yeah. <laughs> We, we're sort of having a cake and eating it, uh, which is good to see. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, so you worked in a book. It was the bookies before the, before the showbiz. You worked in yeah, the bookies. Yeah, the betting shop, yeah, it was what I worked in first. Uh, Richard, would you mind if I took my overcoat? Yeah. I, I don't mind at all. Yeah. I hope you've got a shirt on underneath. That's all right. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just going to be the front. <laughs> it's warm up here, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's, it's the sexual frisson. I thought it was going to be Millican I had the sexual frisson with, but... No, I'm wearing one glove because I heard the weather forecast. <laughs> well, he said today was going to be sunny, but on the other hand, it might be cold. <laughs> and it's jokes like that are keeping me out of the big money, you know. <laughs> it's, the, you know it's the preparation that you had to remember to come on with one glove on. That is... That is... Yeah, where were we, the betting shop? Yeah, the betting shop. And I remember once, a fellow rushed in very quick, and he said, I've just backed a... And the bookmaker said, you backed a... The favourite? He said, no, 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 no. I've just backed a... He said, you backed a five to one. He said, no, 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 no. He said, right, the bookmaker said, here's five pounds. Go to the coffee bar next door, have a coffee, relax, and come back and tell me what you backed. So he comes up to me and he said, I can't believe that bookmaker. He's just given me a fiver, and I just backed a five-ton lorry into his Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a serious note, <laughs> I underachieved a bit at school. Yeah. I think it was the teacher. You know, one day she said to me, Richard, she said... Hi, you. You've spelt incorrectly, incorrectly. I said, isn't that what you want me to She said, no, no. No, no. I wanted you to spell incorrectly, correctly, but I don't want you to spell correctly, incorrectly. That would be incorrect as well. I said, let me get this straight. You don't want me to spell incorrectly, incorrectly. You want me to spell incorrectly, correctly. But you don't want me to spell correctly, incorrectly. You want me to spell correctly, correctly. She said, correct. Then, I went home to my dad. Right. Now, he was an oasis, my father. He was a character. Can I linger? Yeah. I said, Dad, I'm no good at arithmetic. He said, don't worry, son. That makes three of us. <laughs> and another day, I said, Dad, this is our, you know, stop me now when this routine goes, you know. No, I'm, please carry on. Right. <laughs> I can tell when you're... <laughs> oh, wait, when, when you get you to go... Brian Blessed levels, we'll let you know. <laughs> no, I said, Dad, Dad, do all fairy tales start 
with once upon a time. He said, no, son. Sometimes they start with whenever I'm elected. (laughs) And then another day, (laughs) I said, Dad, I can't find my red exercise book. He said, don't worry, son. You'll find it when you're not looking for it. So the next day I said, Dad, I still can't find my red exercise book. He said, I told you, you'll find it when you're not looking for it. So two days later, I said, Dad, I found my red exercise book. He said, don't tell me. You found it when you weren't looking for it. I said, no. I pretended not to look it, but I kept one eye open. (laughs) Good, well, that's the betting shop covered. (laughs) You're the huckabuck. Kid, do the huckabuck. Yes, that was a dance, actually. That was a dance over in... um, well, all through Ireland, there was a, a show band called the Royal Show Band. And they it, it used to do this song called Do the Hucklebuck, Do the Hucklebuck, Diddle, Diddle, Diddle. And of course, I always been a bit robbery and things. I, I sort of joined in and uh, I got to the final. They had a competition in Belfast. <laughs> yeah. They had another competition to do a PJ Pro B lookalike. Yeah. And I won a fiver doing that. So, and I went home back to the coffee bar. Uh, this. You know, it was the 60s, and, and we all had uh, Knickerbocker glories, you know. A lot yeah. of Knickerbocker, six or seven out of a fiver. It was lovely, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to have a Knickerbocker glory for so long, and I wasn't allowed to have one. I'd seen them on... Because they were on the telly, and you saw them, and then I had one, and it was rubbish. <laughs> I, I, it was built up so far, I had it, and I didn't like it. It's just like tin fruit yeah, in a, with ice. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Looks so good, the Knickerbocker glory. You don't have them anymore, do you? Because they're shit, that's why. <laughs> I saw you at the, uh, the Slapstick Festival in Bristol doing your full show. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, fantastic. What I, the, my favourite bit, because I'd been watching Tony Slattery just before, and then who's going to be a guest oh, in the he future? Was lovely, yeah. He was lovely, uh, yeah. And then I was, so I was still in the room, because I was on the festival, I had to stay in the room. And before anyone came in, I heard you backstage just saying to no one in particular, I just hope I can live long enough to be as old as my jokes. <laughs> that was before the show even started. <laughs> and I thought, this is going to be a good show. <laughs> <laughs> but what I like about your live act is there, there are, you know, there's some, there's some jokes that might be corny. Uh-huh. But there's a, there's a, there's a lot of... Um, there's sort of a lot of postmodernism in there as well. You know, you're, you're, di- you're dissecting what you're doing. You keep on breaking off about the rule of three jokes and saying something's coming, or you say, oh, that. You, you discuss, you're sort of narrating what's going on as well as doing your jokes, which is quite like a lot of modern comics do that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, if you have something to say, like, I don't think we get the service these days, because I rang up Piccadilly Railway Station and I said, what time does the next train go to London? And he said, look it up online. I mean, how dangerous is that? <laughs> You know? <laughs> and then I went to the ticket office. And I said, a return, please. He said, where to? I said, back here. I mean, <laughs> where else am I going to go? And he said, change at Stockport. I said, I want my change here. <laughs> so that's a good example of some of the corny ones. <laughs> But it was, it's a great, it's a really fantastic show. I know you're selling your DVD after the show. And oh, well, it's funny mention you mention that. that. And online. Uh, right. <laughs> and uh, you can't buy them in the shops. No. I know, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it's the service. Huh? Yeah. I went in for a... <laughs> Two bottles of milk, I said yeah. to the fellow in the shop. He said, we have none. I went back the next day. So two bottles of milk. He said, look, you, we don't sell milk. If you come in here again, I'm going to nail your foot to the floor. So I went back the next day. I said, have you got any nails? <laughs> he said, no. I said, but two bottles of milk. <laughs> so, uh, and of course I... We've got a heckler. Mommy. <laughs> I'll do the left. Yeah, and uh, just a, a quick plea, you don't mind if I... I don't, no, yeah, I'd love no, to. No, I mean, uh, if uh, they cost £10, I sign them personally, and if you don't enjoy them, I've got my number there. Give me a ring, I'll come round to the house and do my act in the front room. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And if you buy them, buy them for a friend or 
birthday or Father's Day, Mother's Day. And yeah. Just have a look yourself before you wrap it up in the gift paper and you'll get two for the price of one. I... <laughs> <laughs> You've got a lot of unexpected talents in there as well in this, the show I saw. You can juggle fantastically well. I know you've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Play the saxophone. That was a surprise. Yeah. Well, you my thought... next door neighbour loves me playing that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one night he put a brick through the window so he could hear me better. <laughs> so, you're very kind to me. I always think when people buy a ticket, you just give them a little few surprises. Yeah. You see. So, uh, that's very nice of you. No, it's, it's, a, it's genuinely a fantastic show. I, I, and wholeheartedly recommend it. Uh, it was one of the, you know, everyone, it's, it's like, it was lovely looking around the audience because everyone was just like beaming all the way through. And it's, wow. it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful show. Uh, and um, was someone I was going to ask you about it, but it's gone. Oh, it's gone one about it. my play that I've written. Oh, well, I'll talk, let's talk about that now. I was going to go, <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to get on to that. But we can, let's, let's do all the, the plugs now, then we can nip them all out together at the same time. I'm ready to, <laughs> it's just an easy edit job. I like to think of the producer. Yeah. Um, you. Yeah, you've, well, you've written a play. You've written well, a play. You've written I've a always few... loved double acts. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was in a double act, actually, yeah. when I was a redcoat, back to those days. Oh, yes, that's right. I met a nice Jewish boy called Charles Elliott, and uh, we were called Cohen and Kelly. And he said to me, we'll do a double act, Jimmy. The curtain will open, and I'll come out and tell a joke. Then the curtain will close, and the curtain will open again, and... I'll play the trumpet. Then the curtain will close and the curtain will open. I'll sing a song. I said, wait a minute, Chaz, wait a minute. I thought this was a double act. He said, it is. I said, well, where do I come in? He said, well, somebody's got to open and close the curtain. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, I did Panto with the Chuckle Brothers, yep. uh, you know, and I've always been fascinated about what happens. And uh, I went to see Bobby Ball wrote a play, a play called The Dressing Room, and I loved it, actually. And it gave me the inspiration, and I thought... What about an act? We can, they do their sketches, but if we follow them back to the dressing room, you know, what's happening? And I made it that it's their very last night. It's their last night on summer season, they end up here, but things haven't gone well, so it's their last night in show business. So there's a lot of emotion yeah. there and things. And the health and safety, man, there's a wind blowing in and the structural damage to the theatre is imminent. So there's a, this thing, the health and safety. Will he close the theatre? So we have this. So... Uh, I suppose the next one, round in the locality, we're playing Bridlington, Bridlington yeah. uh, in July and then over in Port Sunlight, but I suppose the next one round here would be the Plaza Theatre in Stockport. Anybody oh. from Stockport? I love that. that Very nice. That's a lovely gig, because that's... Uh, so we'll be playing that in January, but it's all on the it's website. It's called No More Fiffin and Faffin. Yeah, Fiffin the, the, the double act's called Joe Fiffin and Jerry Faffin, and because it's their last night, it's called No More Fiffin and Faffin. Oh. And who plays the other member of the double act? Well, he's a lovely fella. Um, he's a local guy, although he's from Belfast like me. We're Belfast buddies, but he lives in Manchester. And he's a very good singer, Jonathan Young. And when the Bachelors, the 60s group, split, uh, which some 60s groups are prone to do, you know, <laughs> uh, Con and Dak, the brothers, they went out on their own. And then the third member, John Stokes, wanted to reform the group. And he brought John. And John's got okay. a lovely voice. But he's come through with the acting as well, yeah. Richard, and it, it sort of works the bell up because we're both from Northern Ireland. That, that was a, an extra bonus. It, that wasn't... We sure. only play a little bit of that, but and John's been good. And then we have a, another actor, genuine actor, who, <laughs> who plays the stage manager. So that's good fun. So, so. It's, it's sort of... I mean, you know, it, it's amazing that you're, you're still... Uh, Alive, uh, and I was—I was, I was in, in, when I saw you. I couldn't believe. But you're still out there working and doing, doing, the, treading the boards. But also to like write a play. Yeah. At this stage, it's that you're still kind of enthused about the job. Yeah. Oh yeah, very much so. That's just beautiful. It's look tonight. Yeah. You've got this wonderful audience, and uh, and uh, you know, live work is just quite magical, isn't it? Sure. There's nothing like it, and well, you've done so well. You know with your podcasts and I know you're entrepreneurial as well as obviously sure brilliant student. <laughs> well, because, you know, careers go up and down like for they, all of us, but... Uh, and that, <laughs> that's why, this, that the, you know, the DVD people want to see Jimmy Cricket. Uh, they, you know, they... Ten pounds and I'm there in the living room. Yeah, you know? It's true. But and you know the amazing thing about this? When I, when I rang up a local theatre and put this on myself, 
right? I rang all my friends and said, it's going to cost you £10 to come and see me. But once the cameras are paid for, the rest of the money will go to the Spring Hill Hospice in Rochdale, because I live in Rochdale now. Thank you. Can I have a lift home? (laughs) (laughs) And when we, we got a full house and I was able to pay the cameras and there was still £2,000 the next morning that I drove up and gave to the hospice as well. So if you can get the product, put it on yourself, give money to charity and every single one, I've, uh, I suppose I put 10000 and I've got 9000 sold. So I'll probably do another one when I get to ten. But everyone has had, I've shook their hand or signed it or if they've bought it on PayPal and website, I've sent them a personal letter. So... Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like people really appreciate that. But it's you know, and it's it's lovely to have that uh, that connection with the people who like you. Yeah, that's good. I think I think you've got a big fan in the audience. I mean, I'm saying backstage you've got a long running show with Matt Marriage. It might be over tonight. This could, unless that is May shouting out, which could be. (laughs) Well, do you know I had trouble with autograph hunters last night? Yeah, I couldn't find any. But, like, so, look, you, you've, you've been working since the late 60s, mid-60s. No, funny enough, through... I, yeah, no, I would, I would have been redcoat in the late yeah. 60s. I sort of started when I met my good lady at the... I was a redcoat, but then I went into Pontons yeah. to be a bluecoat, and that's where I met May. And uh, her two sisters came over from Belfast to work in uh, the Pontons in Middleton Towers, near Markham. Because okay. the boat came over from Belfast to Hesham as well as Liverpool. And uh, they could sing. Uh, her and her sister Margaret were very good harmony. So when we left the camp, when the camp finished, all round here, I got them work before I got work, which is so that would been through the seventies. But it, it was a it was a period when there was so much live work, Richard. Yeah. You know, any sort of older members of the audience will know that the talk of the north was here in Eccles, the Golden Garden in Withenshaw. But every street corner had a social club, you know. Yeah. And there used to be great stories of the working men's clubs. You know, Brian, well, there was one in, I heard this story in Wigan, the Goose Green Labour Club. Uh, this fella was, you know, the curtain was closed and he was sort of uh, tuning his guitar. So the concert secretary ran around, he said, what are you doing? The fellow said, well, I'm, I'm just tuning up. He said, you knew about this show six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a friend called Adrian Walsh, who's another brilliant comic, actually, um, from Northern Ireland, lives down in Somerset. And he, he was advertised once in a workingman's club in South Wales. And it said, tonight's comedian, Adrian Walsh. And underneath, underneath it said, he must be good. He's on VAT. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lovely one about Tom O'Connor. He was playing a a theatre in North Wales and his agent got a call uh, about half an hour before the show and said, the magician hasn't turned up. So Tom's agent, Billy Scott, said, well, there's no magician on the show. Oh, yes, there is. It's Tom O'Connor, special guests, the Triarchy Male Voice Choir with the magic of Ivor Novello. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But it's, this, is, this is a long career. You're still going, you're still happy performing. It's, you're still out there, you know, doing the job. It's, yeah. it's, and there's a lot of people from the 70s that are no longer doing the job for various reasons. The lucky ones are dead. <laughs> There are but for the grace of God. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a difficult. I mean, Barry Cry is going to be a guest in a few weeks in Henley. Love him. And you know, I know you've worked with Barry, and it, it's it's he's again managed to have oh, this long running career. Yes. Where you know, I think a lot of the seventies comedians kind of hit a brick wall in the eighties when alternative comedy came along, and it was hard for them to go through that. The ch- the taste the changes in taste and you you kind of tra- traverse that i mean i mean you're not you never was a there was never anything offensive about your act anyway it was always very 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 clean act and it wasn't a, i mean i suppose you could say you're pl- it's a little bit of an irish stereotype but you are irish so it's okay <laughs> and it was never in it was never in a nasty way in any case no it would always be family yeah you know it would always be like uh, if i would say uncle patrick can i linger i'll say to them he turned up at the pub last night with the front door under his arm. And I said, Uncle, what are you doing with the front door under your arm? He said, I've lost my key. <laughs> I said, well, what happens if you lose the door? He said, oh, I've left the window open. <laughs> you see, so yeah. and then you'd go into a routine. Yeah. And that would be the particularly sort of offense. I, I, I sort of agree with you. You've got to circumnavigate and, yeah. and but it's loving, bring people on board. It's loving know? the job, isn't it, to the extent... Because like oh. some people become too successful and then to go and do something else, they don't want to be a comedian anymore, they try something else. Well, they lose the hunger, yeah. you see, I suppose, and, and, and that's, that's very important, isn't it? Yeah. To, to keep that wanting to do so well. So, in a way, you don't want to be too successful because it would take away the... You, know, <laughs> you, you just want to... Few more people coming in the odd night, things like that. <laughs> the goal is realistic, isn't it? You know, yeah. but it's to, you know, but it's as you say, and as we have both experienced, there are ups and you're, you're. I mean, your ups have been a, a lot higher than my ups, uh, and oh, my no, and no, my no. downs have probably been lower than your downs. But it's, <laughs> I've, I've carried on right in the middle, just cruising along, and, which, uh, is lovely, <laughs> which is lovely, which is lovely. But it's, it's it's having that that desire to carry on and that love of it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's. Yeah. What, the thing I love about, and that you were t- in Bristol you told me an amazing story, is, is about the kind of, the way that those, your career overlaps with previous generations. Yes. Uh, and so you get stories either from acts you've worked with or, or acts that you've worked with, you've worked with someone, and the, the connections are very, you know, yeah. seem like almost impossible, but because yeah. you were starting at a certain age, there were older comedians then who you worked with. Yeah. You told me a great story about some of the guys who'd worked with Lauren Hardy uh, in Bristol about the, the yes. ventriloquist. Yes, that was, uh, I did pantomime with, with Scylla, Scylla Black, and yeah, yeah, and Harry Worth was on the show, on the panto, and I don't remember Harry, he used to open his, you know, with the glasses, you know, I proposed to my wife in a garage, I couldn't back out, oh, you know, (laughs) I put my key in the front door, I thought, what am I letting myself in for, you know, it was all, it was all very gentle, I just loved Harry, really, and he used to tell me stories uh, the recent movie about uh, Laurel and Hardy, Stan and Ollie, with, with Steve, Steve yes, Coogan, who I know is a friend of yours, and it's, they, they did it so well. It was so sensitive, yes, and it was about the time when their career in Hollywood had uh, sort of gone, peaked, and they'd come over and did a tour of all the British music, uh, the United Kingdom, all they did all the theatres for Bernard Delphont and things. Mm-hmm. Well, on those shows, they always had a ventriloquist, and Harry was actually on the show. And he used to say, he told me lovely, he said, they never, uh, what's the word? Sometimes the people you look up to can shatter your illusion. Not with Stan and Ali, they were just as nice off. And Stan used to watch uh, Harry's act, because Harry did a bit of ventriloquism. And then afterwards he'd say, Harry, what if you held the dummy a little bit that way? And and he used to talk about calmly and constructively. And he would always be writing when... He'd get fan mail, you know, from children and things. And he had the Russian wife, who was played brilliantly, actually, in the the thing. And she said, Stanley, we're going out for the... Oh, I just want to write a little bit more to the little kitty who wrote me a letter. It was just lovely, (laughs) you know. And and the other ventriloquist, of course, who worked with him was Ray Allen, Lord Charles, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, he told me a very important thing about Stan and Ollie. He said, when they used to do the sketch 
were uh, Babe. Babe Hardy was in the hospital with his leg up on the yeah. bed and Stan would come with the boiled eggs and then do the thing. He said uh, they, they used to f- finish the show with that, but instead of the stage crew, technicians, taking the sketch down, they'd leave it up. So when they'd get up in the hotel, have their breakfast, they would come in at 10 o'clock and rehearse it. Right. It made it look so easy because they work so hard at it. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's, uh, they were, but they were special. Right? Marriage made in heaven, really. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a terrific film about them. It's, it's really nice that when you hear things like that and you hear the, the colour behind those stories. Yeah. And I just, I'm just, I just always love that. I love the overlapping of the generation. Being able to meet, have, re- yeah. another great guy was Billy Dainty. Yeah. Who used to do this eccentric dance and who taught me that. And I was able, blessed to have met him. Yeah, those yeah. great guys, you know, um. Richard, as you say, I got a break in the early 80s and just with the... Ben Morris, Julian Morris and things. Right. Ben Morris, when I did that same pantomime... No, no, that, the different one. I did two with Zilla. The other one had Billy Dean, but it had Ben Morris. He was a famous double act before Morecambe and Wise called Julian Morris. But by that time, Ben was winging it a bit, he, you know, with a script. So I was meant to be Idle Jack. So halfway through rehearsals, they decided to change my name to Silly Jimmy. <laughs> Which threw a bit of a spanner in the works because Ben, the first time Ben saw me as the alderman, hello, idle, silly Jimmy, how are you? <laughs> and we were, there was a scene where we were meant to fit, uh, build the, put the cargo on the ship and head off to Morocco. So once Ben said, right, get all the cargo on the ship, we're heading off to London. And then we're going straight off to Morocco. And all. <laughs> he, he would always save things when he, he had this chutzpah <laughs> yeah. that if he did a, uh, yeah. he would make amends, turn it into a good thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, you work with some amazing stars in, in Panto. John Inman, Sue Pollard. Yeah. The Honey Monster from the Sugar Puffs. How, how was the... That was what, my big moment, yeah. really. What yeah. was he like in real life, the Honey Monster? Was he... No, he didn't disappoint me. No. <laughs> <laughs> was he up rehearsing every morning doing the... I remember he charged me 30 quid, I remember, just for an autograph, and I thought, I've just been stung. And, uh, <laughs> honey Monster. <laughs> I could take the groans as well as the laugh show. I'm going to ask you an emergency question or two, just because I should. Because these people, these people are expecting them. I'm not going to go blue, though, Jimmy. Do you, really, do you really want me to ask that to Jimmy Cricket? I don't think you do. Yeah. You know what you want me to ask, and I'm not going to ask him that. You're welcome just to turn these into puns on the subject. Which you... <laughs> Would you prefer to have a hand made out of ham? They're idiots, these people. They, they eat this up. It's pathetic. Or an armpit that dispenses sun cream. I mean, you must have been asked. You must have been asked this a thousand times. Can I call a friend? <laughs> Got a hand made out of ham, all right? Would you like to see? Do you burn in the sun? You've got that hat, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I would do a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I'd have to watch that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Maybe the sun cream then. <laughs> we are some backstage. You're, they're all in, you're all in another joke, and I'm a. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's lovely, you know. <laughs> I just did it for them. It was all right. All right. Well, oh, well, look, oh, this. Got to look after your loyal fans. This is. This is. Uh, well, there's a few things. That's how we do. Oh, it's going so fast. Let's talk. I don't think I've ever had anyone on the podcast before. I'm pretty certain who is a papal knight. You have a papal knighthood. Yeah, Do, not... Are you aware of this? He seemed to surprise. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope asked me, he thought I was the most appropriate person. <laughs> papal knighthood, yeah. that's, in, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it means you've got to champion good causes. Yeah. Fight for the underdog. Um, and protect the Holy See from the grim forces of evil. <laughs> <laughs> but first, a song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was quite surprising, really, because the parish priest turned up and uh, I thought, made him a cup of tea, as you do, and I thought he was just... It was birthday, he had a thing under his arm, but it was... Uh, you need a champion for these things, and I, I didn't understand. There was a lovely couple in Liverpool who I did some charity shows for called Bill and Sue Lees, and then they just wrote uh, to the Bishop of Salford here and... Uh, the uh, next thing, he turns up and uh, he was there, he was having a cup of tea and he, he took out this package and it was in Latin. 
you know, my real name, James uh, Jacoby, for services. And it was Pope Francis signed. So you don't turn down. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, he is, no matter what religion or yeah, religion, no. but he's special, isn't he? Yeah. So, well... You know. No, so so this is fantastic. Puts it on the wall now, so it's oh, and rightly so. It's an amazing well, achievement. It's amazing. I know for your charity work and and yeah. everything, but it's it's fantastic that you've done that. And your son is a is a Catholic he's priest, tonight, actually, yeah. Father Frank, and he's not far from here in is Pendleton. He? I think yeah. he's in St James's, actually, okay. parish priest. And if you ever, if you're ever passing his church uh, when he does a homily, the roars of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that, no, he loves it here. He's also chaplain to the Salford University. Okay. And uh, there's a couple of schools he goes to. But he loves it here. He loves all the people of Salford. Has, has his life changed after Fleabag is the question I, would, <laughs> I, should, I should maybe have asked him. <laughs> when I saw him backstage. Maybe I'll ask him in the interval. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's here. He'd be chatting yeah. to you. He, <laughs> he loves you all. Well, of course, my daughter does stand up. Yeah, I know some, Katie. some of the audience will know our Katie uh, from doing her. Right. And she's a playwright as well. Yeah, playwright as well. Yeah, very, very proud of her. Yeah, yeah. and two other kids, four children. Yeah, two of each. Two Catholics, two Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember once at the airport in Jersey, where we're coming up the symbol. They were all walking behind us, like the sound of music. And Bernard was there. Bernard Manny, you know Bernard. He'd been doing a show, and he was at the airport, and he was giving me stick. Don't you go to sleep at night, you know? All the, have you never heard of Horlicks? And all, you know, he's, but that's Bernard. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, well. Let's talk about because we do. Your kids are all on. This is your life, which was uh, from the was the eight seven or something like that. You did. Yeah, yeah, I it was think around, it was that? Yeah, it was him and Andrews. Which is it's always kind of. I've, I've seen this a few a few times because it's obviously. Yeah, it was, it was one of the last ones. Was it the last one Eamon Andrews did or one of the last ones he did? The one the last one that was shown before he died? I think there was two before that, uh, two after it. So uh, um, two other recordings. But it was the last one he, he took ill. And uh, he actually watched it in his hospital bed, would right. you believe it? Uh, it was very emotional. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wrote to his wife, Grania, and just said that it was just... Well, he, Eamon, if any, was just a very warm, wonderful personality. I mean, if you ever watch YouTube when he surprised Frank, Frank Carson, it's just the two accents, Frank from Belfast. <laughs> Eamon go, tonight, Frank Carson, this is your life. Ah, Eamon, is it really me? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of Frank's favourite jokes, I, I love him telling was, I was at a bar and a fellow shouts, Frank, lend us a tenner. I said, I can't hear you. <laughs> He said, lend us a tenner. I said, I can't hear you. The barman said, I can hear him. He said, well, you lend him a tenner then. <laughs> <laughs> and did you really not know it was coming? There was a kind of weird coincidence that happened on the This Is Your Life. Yes. Uh, when we were, when Mae was singing with her sister and we all used to go round, we, we, nobody could drive. We hadn't drive then. We were all in our, well, they were younger, 17, 18. I was in mid-20s and we got these bangers that couldn't go. But Evelyn was the, the oldest sister, and she was the only one who could drive. So it broke down once on the way home from a gig, uh, so a Bedford van, and we tried to push it up the hill. Um, and the police actually stopped the police car. And the two policemen gave us a hand to push it up the hill. <laughs> and, then it, and then they waved to us and everything. I mean, that would never, with a computer, they would know there's no... It wasn't taxed. It wasn't insured. <laughs> I mean, we should all have been locked up. <laughs> but that was the era then, really, wasn't it? You know. And then Evelyn then, obviously, because I got married to May and then uh, May's sister Margaret married a, a school teacher and they went to live in Leeds. So Evelyn, I suppose, you know, so she emigrated to Australia. Then you fast forward 15 years later and I come up down to London on the train, come up Oxford Circus to Oxford Street, and who do I see? It's Evelyn walking towards with her husband. Right. And she goes, shh, tell me I'm coming up to Rochdale in a couple of days. And I bought into that completely. Right. Really. In fact, and I went to see my agent who was in Regent Street, that lady, Phyllis Ranch, managed Rod Hall. Yeah. Sort of, it's all knitting together. <laughs> and, and she said, um, she went and rang them, and they were going to cancel the program because the surprise element is a big thing in that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that surprise. And they were. But I genuinely didn't know Richard. The next day, I had a book out, Letters from My Mammy, 
and I was meant to promote it on a building site. And as the, the car turned the corner, there was Eamon in the hard hat with Evelyn. <laughs> Tonight, uh, Jimmy Cricket. Here we are. It was on daytime. So it was, uh, normally he would say it at night. So he'd say, this is your sister Evelyn who you met yesterday in <laughs> Oxford Street. <laughs> And then as they drove me by, the, uh, the producer said, no, we want you. Your, your wife still doesn't know Evelyn's coming, but apparently she thinks she's sick. So when Eamon gets to that point, yeah. you know, you're meant to say, uh, he'll say, may it, your sister, yeah, she can't come tonight. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> she's here. So she came through and they, they had all the crime. We got yeah. the, no, the it's tears. It's such a weird thing. It must be weird for you to look back at that. that. It's, a, it's a lovely thing to have. It's obviously all your family members there and some of them who... Won't be oh, with they're the all over from Northern Ireland. Yeah. They drank the green room dry. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a risky programme, This Is Your Life, because your family's kind of okay because they're mainly showbiz, but... Yeah. You know, you've, you've got these, you've got like family members come on and who can't have to tell a story and it's recorded as live or was it going out live? Because they, they never seem to edit it, those shows. Yes, yes, it yeah. was recorded, yes, yeah. it was. But, uh, but, you know, you often see these kind of terrible, <laughs> terrible little yeah. stories. And, and, yeah. But it was, it was a beautiful one, yours. But it's weird. It must be weird. It must be weird, you know, seeing, having that, that little time capsule of your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. When they're all tiny, I yeah. mean, in Northern, with Belfast, where we all live, they still show it. A lot of the family that came over, cousins. <laughs> it's like a holiday snapshots. It's exciting because yeah. they all say, "Oh, look, he's wearing that." Because they were all younger then, weren't yeah. they? I had a, a, a school friend called Brendy O'Gorman, and he went up to him and on his, and he gave him the camera. He said, "Eamon, could you take a photograph of Jimmy and me here?" You know? <laughs> so uh, they were characters. Lovely. And uh, you uh, you worked with Eddie Braben as well, of course, on your TV show and radio shows as well. Eddie was special. I remember the day I knocked the door and I had uh, a briefcase and he said, I see you've got your sandwiches with you. And uh, it, it was lovely. Uh, um, he worked in radio and television. And I remember um, he moved out to North Wales. And I remember him ringing me once and he said, Jimmy, I don't think the farmer next door trusts me. I said, why is that, Eddie? He said, every evening before he goes in, he takes his field with him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's surreal, really, yeah. isn't it? And he had this radio show himself that he wrote and starred in called The Show with Ten Legs, okay. right? And a BBC executive rang and said, uh, uh, Mr. Brabham, you've got a show coming up now uh, called The Show with Leg Ten Legs. He said, yes. Uh, how many are in the show, may I ask? And Eddie said, oh, there's six of us. Uh, shouldn't that be The Show with Twelve Legs? And Eddie said, quick as a flash, no, two of us stand on one leg. <laughs> He, he was just sort of a comedy genius. Well, obviously the Markman Wises are are in, embedded. The yeah. you know the great stuff that he wrote. I mean, Eric and Ernie carried it to another level, but a lot of it was Eddie's to you know give him the helping them because television. Obviously, you need that support, don't yeah. you? Really, yeah. it's not like you can do your act to everybody, but you need that. And, and Eddie kept them going with some wonderful material. Sid and Dick, Sid Green, Dick did, did the early day. The, the boys were blessed, and they had two great. Uh, three great comedy writers, uh, 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 a twosome in their early days. Yeah. And then when uh, Eric had his heart attack, then Eddie came in and did all the stuff for them now. So it was great stuff. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Um, oh, nice, isn't it? <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about the, you know, the derivation. The costume came together and the, how, the catchphrases, did they just evolve? As yeah, you they going? came from the club, come here, this yeah. more. And, you know, uh, yeah, I went to the doctor and I said... Uh, uh, I went to see the doctor last week. I said, Doctor, last week, come here. I think my eyesight's failing. He said, it's gone completely. This is the laundrette. <laughs> and to keep their attention in the clubs, because they'd start drinking, because they weren't facing you like the, the audience tonight. They were obviously on a table. They're talking. So I'd say, oh, and there's more. I said, Doctor, close the door. There's more. I've got a right toe on my left foot and a left toe on my right foot. He said, you've got myxomatosis. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I know where I'm going to go, then you do something like that, and uh, I'm taking you on with. I oh, throw you a curve. That's, uh, that's what I'm like. You emailed me yesterday just to ask about this, and in the email, I said, "Dear Richard, uh, come close to the screen." <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's very good. 
But once you've got something like that, I mean, that's in those days you were building up an act over years All and years. All the time, and so that, so that once, you, yeah. once you had your break, which you know is still like ten years. It was in the nineteen eighty that the start yeah, the search for start eighty one. So you'd been yeah. over, you know, ten years out on the circuit or whatever, and and you've you've built up that act. Sure. And so it's bulletproof, really, isn't it? And you've well, you've got you've, you've got those things that would just that would just make people laugh, you know, because they they love you and they get the. It's, it's just such a lovely thing to get that those kind of catchphrases. You've got few of them, really. Yeah, that, yeah, that all yeah. work. Well, thank you. That's very, very kind of you. Yeah, thank you. It's all right, but it's you know, but that's that. It's the, the look and the and the catchphrases. It's it's you know, it's it's a, it's a oh, part of, of you know uh, with, with with comedy. Yeah, it, but I don't know if it happens so much now. I don't know whether comedians now. Do, do, the, the things that you miss from the old days of comedians. There's some things from the old days of comedians that are best left in the past, but there's some things from the. There's something from the... Uh, what I like when you... When you uh, I saw people like uh, Bruce Forsyth interviewed, they'd say they would never put on their suit in the dressing room. They would never sit down in their suit because they didn't want to crease their suit. Yeah. So everyone would wear suits and everyone uh, would like not sit, not, yeah. not wear them until they were just about to go on stage. Yeah. And that sort of thing doesn't really happen. Even that kind of showbiz professionalism. But the things like that that yeah. you think of that we've lost now or you're happy that things have changed? No, I like that. I, 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 look, I'm... I, I think youth must have its fling, and I think if that's what, you know, the younger people, that's great. But, uh, I, I do miss that. I, I, you, you, you prodded me, and I might fall out with you over that, but I do. <laughs> uh, it's like with, with, with Ken, Ken Dodd. I, I was lucky enough to have him as a friend, and, uh, you know, he, he just would spur no. He would do, like, four or five hours, and he'd put all his make everything, all his, his whole thing. He, when I reached the grand old age of 50, and I was in a restaurant with my family, and they had arranged for him to come in, and he came through the door with a tickling stick in one hand and a pair of concrete Wellingtons on the other. <laughs> and he prompted down, and three or four years ago, I had them pinched. Oh. Yeah, well, I got a lot of publicity out of it. In fact, Bertie... <laughs> it's an ill wind. <laughs> in fact, I wrote a little tiny poem. Yeah. Can I, can yeah, I, can I share it with you? A thief broke into my back garden. To be honest, the damage he did was minimal. But he stole my concrete Wellingtons. Police are looking for a hardened criminal. <laughs> and there's more. <laughs> a present from Ken Dodd with a tickling stick and some pink champagne to drink. Unfortunately, I spilt the champagne and everybody was tickled pink. <laughs> See, I'm getting into the emotion of it. Yes. How I'm going to miss those cement-clad water boots. I suppose they'll finish up in eBay, I guess. But if they ever were returned, it would turn my tears of regret into tears of I must actually, I was reading about Ronnie O'Sullivan yesterday, uh, the great world snooker champion, and I, towards the end, he actually does a wonderful thing about he was inspired, would you believe, by Ken. He said, well, uh, you know, as obviously he loved all the great sports people, Roger Federer, but he says, what I love about him was he, right up to to the day he passed away, he was, you know, entertaining, making people laugh. And he, 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 he uh, Ronnie says this, he didn't have BBC or ITV telling them what to do, <laughs> you know, because Ronnie's that sort of rebel as well, isn't he, with a yeah. snooker thought. And I rang Ken Dodd's wife, actually, yesterday, his widow, and she was very emotional when I told her and said, can you send me that cutting? So I have it ready to send to Ken's wife about what Ronnie said. Oh, so, uh, yeah. But it was amazing, it was amazing. Do, do, do you think you'll be going on as long as Ken Dodd? Are you going to retire? I wish. I, I, I should be so lucky. That would be lovely, yeah. What a great 90. I mean, yeah. I'll take that, you know. It's fabulous, isn't it? Do you want to, do you want to go with your boots on? Your wellies yes. on? Yeah, well, I definitely think, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> I, I, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, it's a good way to go, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. Um, I, mean, I was going to... Briefly, I've got to wrap up quite soon. But I was going to, and you wrote very movingly about Barry, Barry Chuckle, who you worked with, who we lost yeah. last year. And... Yeah, the boys were wonderful. I did pantomime up in Darlington, and uh, Barry actually lived in Darlington. When you do pantomime, you're there for 10 weeks, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So uh, Paul 
had a house outside Darlington, but Barry lived and we, we were staying at the same hotel. Well, different, but inside. So in Pan, when you're away from home, you're always looking for places to grub up, you know. And usually if it's McDonald's or it's, it's, it's uh, you know, um, well... But we found this place that cooked home-cooked meals. Okay. And uh, so we'd all meet uh, Barry and I between houses and, and uh, the matinee in the evening show and have the steak and kidney pie. and Just lovely memories, you know, of, of the boys. I'd love to have seen you and Barry Chuckle sitting down eating steak and kidney pie. Imagine just going to that restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> seeing Jimmy Cricket and Barry Chuckle. To you, to me. Come here. Before <laughs> Well, look, we're going to have to wrap up. Did you want to do... Uh, one of my favourite things you've done, and a lot, a lot of comedians have said this to me, actually, is the letter from your mammy oh, thing. Well, I just happened to have, have one. Oh. <laughs> well, it's just a little one. She said, uh, Dear son, I hope you have a wonderful time with Richard and everybody at the, um, the Lowry. Um, your father's very worried about this Brexit. He thinks when we leave Brussels, he won't be able to get any more sprites. <laughs> we were at a party last night, son, and we all did the Brexit hokey cokey. It was in, out, and we weren't too sure what to do after that. <coughs> it was my birthday last week, and the whole family bought me a flat screen television set. I don't like it. My ornaments keep slipping off the top. <laughs> Your nephew, Kieran, has been arrested for picking blackberries. He was picking them at two o'clock in the morning in a shop that sold computers. <laughs> he told the police he was acting on medical advice. The doctor told him to keep taking the tablets. <laughs> Your cousin Evan <laughs> has split with his cross-eyed girlfriend. He said she's been seeing other men. <laughs> and your Aunt Agatha has passed away at the ripe old age of 96. As you know, son, she never ever married and she left instructions there were to be no male pallbearers at the funeral. She said, they never took her out when she was alive. They weren't taking her out now. <laughs> Your sister Mary has managed to quit smoking with the aid of patches. She puts one over each eye and she can't find her cigarettes. <laughs> A man called and asked me what I thought of euthanasia. I told him they weren't much different than the youth in Ireland. <laughs> I'm waiting to put the cat out, but he hasn't come in yet. I'm taking my false teeth back because they're too big. They won't fit in the glass by the side of the bed. <laughs> you won't recognize the house when you come home. We've moved. <laughs> Our new house is next to a golf course that has 900 holes. The man that looks after it has a wooden leg. <laughs> it's a funny family next door. The girl is knock-kneed and the two boys are bow-legged. When they walk down the street with her in the middle, they spell Oxo. <laughs> well, that's all the news for now, son. <laughs> But before I go, I must tell you one more thing. Come closer to the letter. <laughs> I went to visit your granddad's grave and the headstone was a little bit tilted. 
I got a piece of wire, tied one end to the headstone and the other end to a tree. Since then, your granny's been and she thinks he's had the telephone put in. <laughs> Lots of happiness from your loving mummy. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast, Jimmy. Uh, I hope there's another 25 years in there. I hope there's more. There's you have Jimmy Cricket. He'll be out there. How'd you like them sky potatoes? <laughs>